Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Today, I have a guest with me. She is multifaceted in what she does. Her name is Melissa, and her last name's Perch. Melissa, I need you to do me a huge favor. Please tell the audience how to spell your last name, because when I looked at her last name, uh, me and Stacy, that's my girlfriend, I thought that it was French, so I thought it was like Perch or something, you know, just <laughs> something, you know, something with some crazy accent. So how do you spell that last name? It's P-Y-R-C-H. So it's, it's that sometimes Y vowel is, is the using in my name, is the spelling. Okay. Now, my, your, your guest on the show, and everybody always wants to know a little bit about the guests, their upbringing, this, this, and that. So if you wouldn't mind, let's dive into that, because that way it sets the atmosphere, and then we'll get the flow going from there, okay? Absolutely. So my name is Melissa Perch. I have uh, been married now for 11 years. I grew up in a suburban town in New York and I teach also in a suburban uh, town in New York. So I've been doing that, believe it or not, this is my 21st year as a high school teacher. I teach, yeah, I started when I was 12. I, um, I teach 10th grade and uh, seniors in high school. I teach English and um, I have three little boys um, at home, uh, nine, six, and two. So I'm a very busy lady, and um, my passion project is writing, and I just completed a draft of a self-help book for teenagers titled Beyond the Bell, Lessons High School Failed to Teach. So that's a little bit about me. All right, I like that title. So obviously the question that always comes up first, what made you want to become a teacher? Because here, here's my deal. So many people think about it. And, you know, we're, you know, we're, I'm in high school myself a long time ago. Um, and, you know, they, they tell us salaries. Mm. And your job, you do way more than what you get paid for. Your job is one of those jobs like a fireman, like a police officer. It follows you home. Yeah. It stays with you. When you get yeah. the morning coffee or whatever you drink in the morning, it's going with you. So what made you want to become a teacher? You know, it's a, it's a great question. And actually one of the first uh, chapters in my book talks about that. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with their paths. I think a lot of people don't know what to do. It's a, it's a big question, especially like you said, when you're in high school, all of a sudden you're required to figure it out. Right. Um, I actually went to um, college, in a, I went to a SUNY school, and I thought that I would major in communications, and I was kind of struggling between two paths. I thought about education, but in my mind, I uh, thought about little kids, and I, I knew I didn't want to teach the little ones, uh, that wasn't my, my strength. And um, I always loved communications, but when I started to get into uh, the, co the college classes, and I love the communications classes, I started to kind of try to think about well, what is the job connected to that at that time. And I actually wound up going to, I'll tell you a really quick story, I wound up going yeah. to a career, a college career center and kind of going on one of those computer tests where they ask you a bunch of questions and then it's supposed to spit out for you this amazing profession. Well, after I completed this test and I ran to the printer the test told me I should, my dream job was a funeral director. So oh, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just, you know, I was panicked because I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is my career, a funeral director. And the college uh, career counselor said, well, you said you wanted to work with people. You wanted to dress up every day. You like to collaborate. I said, yeah, but I need the people to be breathing. And I, I want to be in front of a crowd that is, you know, excited and, and, and alive. Right. Right. And then 
I met one-on-one -on -one with another career counselor and started to think about really what was always something I loved, which is reading and writing. And then that wonderful person who I wish I could remember um, her name, she said, well, have you ever thought about college or high school? And, um, and then I just, you know, I started kicking that around. And as soon as I started observing the college classroom from the perspective of the teacher, I knew that was the spot for me. And okay. I, I, cannot, I have the best job in the world. It's a hard job, but there, I, I believe my students are some of the greatest people I've ever met. I mean, they are top notch. Okay. Now let's get into an aspect of, of writing this book because you're a teacher. How do you transfer form from an English teacher? Because you do a lot of creative writing and different things. You read a lot of stuff. You assess. How do you go from that to becoming an author? Like, how do you just make that change? So in, in the education profession, typically people will go on to do a master's degree. Um, so I did my first master's in creative writing and my second master's degree in communications. And, um, you know, I, I always love to write. Obviously, that's what landed me here. And yes, it's a totally different voice that I'm tackling in my writing. But what I figured out, and I, I wrote a lot of stuff before I landed on this project, but what I figured out is that my most natural voice was the voice of talking to my students. And I realized that a lot of them were hanging out, asking me questions, asking about my life, asking about their futures. And I thought to myself, you know what? I find myself repeating the same stories um, about my own experiences. And I thought, what if I put these things in a book and, and throw my net a little farther and help some more high school kids? And that's, that's what I did. I sat down one night and, and the words just poured out of me. And that voice was just a natural spit for me. And I, I'm so excited, you know, for this book to reach a ton of kids. Because I think now more than ever, kids need support. Kids need someone to cheer them on. And, and I'm hoping that this book will do that for them. Okay. All right. So let me dive into this one because you're a teacher. And this is one I, I've, been, I've been waiting to get a teacher or somebody on here to ask this. How has COVID-19 affected you? And when I want you to go into detail, I want you to just be as vivid as you can because people don't understand, oh yeah, I'm this is I'm just giving you a, a consensus I believe is out there. People are like, you're a teacher, you know, you get on Zoom or you get on whatever thing, you uh talk about your syllabus, you do whatever you gotta do, then it's over with. What is it really like right now? Um, again, I'm a veteran teacher. This is the hardest uh, year for me ever as a teacher. And I think that a lot of my colleagues would tell you the same. Um, I'm in my, um, in, I'm alone right now, but I, I typically spend seven hours of my day uh, like this, talking into a computer and also addressing half of my class in front of me. Oh, so, wow in and of itself is, is a challenge. Uh, again, I'm in New York, so we're trying our best to create hybrid models in different districts. Um, and that means protecting ourselves while in the classroom with half of the kids and also igniting some interest and excitement for the other half of the kids, which are on Zoom at the same time. <laughs> and it has been an extreme challenge. Keeping in mind also that we're putting ourselves at risk. We are, you know, in contact with many people um, and also trying to navigate for those of us that have children, trying to navigate what's going on at home because my children are also on a hybrid schedule. So while I'm here, I have two kids on Chromebooks at home, 
doing this with their teachers. Um, the baby is in a daycare um, while I'm here. And my husband, who is a first responder, he's a lieutenant in the fire department. He's juggling his schedule and we're, we're running between our jobs to serve our communities at all at the same time. Um, so to say the least, there is no such thing as clicking off Zoom and, and hanging out. It's click off Zoom, grade the papers, uh, go on the digital format and upload documents so kids have access to everything they need. It's creating videos, it's finding new resources for kids who are um, I'm home and need more support. So again, and I agree with you. I think there's definitely a misconception for, um, you know, if you're not a teacher, you just don't know. It's it just, it feels like, wow, they're kind of lucky, you know, they're home or they're only teaching half the kids or they have summers off, right? We get that all the time. But I will tell you, um, as a veteran teacher, this is the hardest it's ever been. I mean, I am playing music. I am wearing hats. I am, you know, anything I can think of to get these kids excited on a flat screen. Usually, you know, where I'm all around the room, I can't get close to them. You know, I keep telling them I'm teaching with heart six feet apart. <laughs> you know, it's, it's rough. It's been a rough year. Because I figure, like, I was talking to one of my teaching friends, and, and he said that basically he went from being a teacher to an entertainer content creator on the side and yeah. I was just like wow okay so let's dive into this book beyond the bell tell me about this book how did this come into to creation how did you because I want to do the COVID-19 portion but I don't want to make that the whole thing um I want to know wh what made you think of this concept you know I think that high school is very different now than it was um, even 10 years ago. And I think that a lot of kids are carrying around a lot of stuff, heavy stuff that they don't have an opportunity to talk about, that they don't feel they can talk about. And um, class sizes are growing. It's tough sometimes to get those connections, um, but there's a lot that kids um, wanna share and want to talk about. And I, I keep finding that in my classroom. And I thought again, that it would be a great place to share some stories, to reach out to kids. Um, because for me, I mean, this is my world. I have been with teenagers my whole life, really being one myself. And then I, I was, I started teaching. I was, I just turned 22 oh, wow. <laughs> and I was in the class. Yeah. When I started. So I never really, um, I've kind of grown with them and I've watched them change and, and, and progress. And I, I'm like, I think this is where I can help. Um, so that's how the book came to be. And then I started to break down the lessons that I think kids really need above and beyond the grammar, the writing, the vocab, you know, yeah, we're reading of mice and men and we're reading a raisin in the sun, but bigger than that, we talk about human condition and what we all struggle with and, what, um, you know, what ails all of us as people. And sometimes that's just believing in ourselves, trusting ourselves and, um, and really looking at the big picture, which is relationships, friendships, and, um, and going for our gut and what our gut tells us to go for and trusting ourselves. And sometimes kids don't have support from family. So it doesn't have to be your family. And I talk about that a lot in the book too, that teachers, friends, you know, these, these resources are available for you. And um, I'm just really excited about it because my students, I will say, 
they get a lot of credit here because they are my fuel every single day. These kids amaze <laughs> me every, every time I, I would teach and go, I got to go home and write that down. You know, <laughs> I have to remember to tell these kids that. So it kind of, it organically came from this, this space I've been in my whole life. And, you know, every day I, I, I'm working on edits right now and working on finalizing things. And I think this experience of COVID just to get back to that has really pushed what I want to tell kids because this pandemic will change all of us in many ways. And I'm hoping that we will come out the other side of this even better, more grateful and excited about the communities that we're part of. Okay, okay. I agree with that. Like, cause this, like, that's the one thing that that's bothered me the whole time about this. Cause like in my realm of life, you know, I'm kind of on the outside of things. I'm one of those invisible people. Um, when it comes to being involved in education, I do have an 11 year old son, but he's special needs. Mm -hmm. So his world's been ripped apart by this. So um, learning the different things that he has to have done and stuff like that, it's kind of worked out for him. But I I commend you on this because like, this has to be really hard on you because you have to be a real, you were superwoman when you started out, but now you become Wonder Woman with a gauntlet. I mean, with the little (laughs) things on her arms and stuff now, you have to shield off things. Yeah, and, and, and make things, uh, you have to manage, you're actually, it's, you've always managed an education for someone, but now you're almost managing a certain type of lifestyle because you're the advocate. And the hardest yeah. thing that I've seen in all this is that, you know, you're the advocate, you see what goes on, you see the children at home, you see this, this, and that, and your voice is what they need to hear. So pat on the back for that one. Um, Thank you. Next, next thing, um, in writing this book, you face obstacles. Mm-hmm. What were some of the obstacles that you face in writing this book? Because the thing is that I always try to get uh, anybody to understand when you're a guest on the show is your story, five years, 10 years, even 20 years from now, will be the story that helps somebody, you know, become an author and become a teacher. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think one of, for me, one of my biggest struggles in writing this book, you know, um, it was time and and committing to making the time to do this project the way I wanted to do it. I, you know, I hit the ground running at 530 every morning. I'm in the car by 630. I'm the first bell rings 730. So I'm, I'm rolling teaching in front of a crowd 730 in the morning. Um, and then I leave here at 2.30, I go straight to pick up my two-year-old, and then I'm home with the other two boys, which are, if you know anything about little boys, <laughs> it is a full contact job with those kids. So oh, yes. and I go, yep, I go with them till bedtime. And then what I found that if I wanted to do this, if I wanted to write this book, and that I think this goes for any project or any passion, even business, anything you want to do, you have to do it every day. You have to commit. You can't let yourself down. So I would put those kids to bed. I would turn on my laptop and I would write uh, from 10 o'clock at night till 12 o'clock in the morning, sometimes one o'clock in the morning. And I would commit to that. And there were nights where I didn't want to do it. I was exhausted, but my drive and my, um, my commitment superseded for me being tired, I'm like, what the bigger fear for me was, what if I don't do this? What if I don't complete this? That worried me more than being tired. Um, because I knew this ultimately from when I was young, I think I always had this, this desire to, 
to put what I felt was important out into the world. And honestly, now that I do have children and I do have all these students, um, um, I, I know that they're bigger than me and I know that I won't let them down. So I think when you want to do something, and this book is a perfect example and a challenge comes up, once you attach the project to something you would never let down, it's easy. It's easy. Okay. <laughs> like, do I let down my kids or do I sleep? Well, you know, what am I going to do here? No, I'm not going to let down my kids. So let's open that laptop and go. And, um, my my own students too they're they're champions they're they're always cheering me on how's the book you know they all follow me on instagram i i, I created an instagram um account perch gets published and they all follow me and they all cheer me on and that to me is my fuel i'm like i'm not going to show you guys we can do this so again connecting it to something that i love makes the challenge really not feel that big okay I like that answer once again. I like I like how you're full circle with all your answers. Um, audience, I always do this when I'm talking to somebody. I always tell them, we build quick relationships. Now, let me tell you how quick this relationship started. It started about 20 minutes ago because <laughs> uh, of circumstances and how um, we were greeted and uh, introduced. Um, so, Melissa, here's the thing. A lot of people come on the show. I talk to them about a bunch of different things. One thing with authors that I always ask, and I hate to do this, um, we were growing up, uh, there was a news magazine that used to come on Thursday, Friday nights called uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. Remember that show? You had Diane Foyer on there. You had Barbara Walters, the star. You had John Stossel that did a little funny bit. Well, I'm not here for the John Stossel part. I'm here for the Diane Sawyer question and the Barbara Walters. So here's your Diane Sawyer question. How do you handle the criticism on all fronts from teaching because you get assessed by someone a lot of people fail to realize that you get assessed all the time yes how how did you how have you dealt with the criticism um in the creative criticism on the book but just in general with how everything's going with COVID-19 how have you dealt with that how do you handle all that so that's a great question and I think it's a question that we all can use help with right we all it's a, it's hard, right? It, I think taking criticism is hard. Here's the thing that I have learned. Um, first of all, as you grow, as you start to come into who you really are, who you want to be, and you really lean into your character, I've always been a person that as long as I can lay my head on the pillow at night and feel good about the way I carried myself, the way I treated other people, and that I know I did my best, I typically can push away any criticism, feeling confident that I gave my best. Okay. Now, if you're not, and you know that you kind of, you know, slacked off or you blew off what you were supposed to handle for that day, or and you know, you didn't do a great job and you get criticism, bravo, good, bring it, you know, what could I have done better and then, and then do better. Um, use it, use it as fuel, use it as, um, that's what I do. I've always done that. And I think that's what what has always driven me. And and I also think you have to also advocate for yourself. People don't know what you're doing if you don't show what you're doing and you don't, you know, talk about what you're doing when it's great and share it. You know, I think people kind of like to hole up and keep their, keep their stuff. You know, if you have something wonderful to share, my goodness, share it. That's what the world needs from you. That's your gift, right? So I think when you get to really settle into who you are, the criticism is easier to handle. 
um, and you decide. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that criticism. Or yeah, I'll take that and watch me, watch me go back, go bigger. Okay, okay. And that, and that worked out. That's that's a real level answer there because so many people, um, a lot of people, you know, we're content creators can't take criticism. And like with, yeah. with what I do, for instance, my criticism is only as big as the next guest that I have on. Um, you went down this road with that one, or you went down this one with the other, but you didn't keep it steady. So I always, you know, consistency there on my part. So I don't have a hard criticism to worry about and just got to make sure audio levels are fine. That's what you get yeah. have an editor for. Now, um, everyone that comes on this show, you have to give back to us now. We need to know a secret talent or just a secret that no one knows about you. There's this young man in uh, New York City. He's in uh, Jamaica, New York. Uh, he's a rapper. He's doing real good, uh, selling whatever them streams are. It didn't like when we were coming up. But this young man can take in a Rubik's Cube and solve it in 40 seconds. Now, that type of brain power, I could use that to solve one of the world's problems. Okay? <laughs> what I'm doing right here with this buildup, I'm giving you time to figure out what your secret is. Now, I'll tell you mine. Mine is just a, it's very simple. Um, I come from the state of Virginia, but I moved to West Virginia. So I'm kind of country, I guess, but I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat parsnips. I eat rhubarb. I eat a lot of root vegetables, but I do not eat the vegetable beets. If you have beets and you're serving them in your house, I will unfriend you in real life. If you send me a picture, if you send me a picture of these beets on Facebook and messenger, I'll block you on messenger, but you can still be my friend on Facebook. It's really that serious with me with that because I just, every year I try the vegetable to see if I can change my mind. It's not like I don't try. So each year I'll try it in a different way and it's just not my cup of tea. So I tell people it's not a secret or hidden talent now because I expose it every other episode. But you know, if you ever invite me or we're in the same vicinity, if you got beats and you want to still be my friend, just don't come near me with that. Um, and one last one, another lady, um, and she's in our age demographic because both of us are, you know, um, you're 25 and I'm 35. So in our age demographic, right. this lady has something that stops her and mobilizes her. The sound of a carbonated, like a, a soda can opening, commercials, anything. She'll stop her car. She could be on her way to Walmart. If she hears it on the radio, she's done. If she hears it in real life, she's done. She'll stop what she's doing. She'll go shop somewhere else. She'll leave Walmart. She'll go to Target or wherever. Um, it all started, she said, uh, with uh, incidents in, in Kmart, God rest its soul, you know. Uh, Kmart, people were always opening sodas. I guess they had a little, some kind of pizza place in some of them, or varied stuff, so it bothered her as a child, and she could never get over it. So everybody has this secret or a hidden talent. So what is yours, Melissa? Okay, so here we go. My, I would say my hidden talent is that I, I have an a really, really, really great memory, really great. And I can remember where I saw things or a little tiny um, detail somebody told me about themselves or their family. And I, this is how I use that secret talent, I will tell you. Um, like for example, you're, you're wearing the Nautica shirt right now. I'm a big shopper too, right? So I'll remember that next time I talk to you and I'll say, oh, you like Nautica, don't you? And I'll, I'll remember that. And I, because I have that great memory and I could remember something about your child, the child's 11, or I could remember something um, that you told me that, oh, 
um, like for example, if somebody told me something funny about, you know, a pizza place or um, something about their birthday party when they were little, I'll remember that the next time I saw them, I see them rather. And what will happen is I will bring that up to them or um, I will ask them, oh, how's your mom doing? If they mention something about their mom having a cold. And I think this secret talent this memory of mine is great because it really has always helped me connect with people and it okay. has helped people. Um, and I think that's what I also do, by the way, with my students is I'll remember, oh, did you get that at the gap? You know, I'll remember that. And when you remember things about people, it lets them know that you, you care about them, you value them and it makes them feel good. And I think, you know, I can still remember what you know people wore to a party three years ago. And I, I remember, oh, did you have that dress? And it, it helps them feel connected and special and and that's my secret talent and it's a great way to connect with people and make them feel like they can talk to you and feel vulnerable with you okay okay and it builds a little intimacy there too um you know and, and when you build that with someone that camaraderie there just it works yeah we in the south we, we say we're like usb cables anyone from the south we can it doesn't matter what region you're from. I'm nothing on anybody <laughs> from the Northeast or anything, but not everybody can connect with everybody. But they say the people we're in the a little South, rough around the edges. We're a little rough here. We're a little rough around the edges. Yeah. It's okay. They call us, we they are call us, it. Yeah, they call us USB hubs because anybody can connect to us. So I get what you mean there. Um, Melissa, once again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, another, portion, another portion that we do real quick is we give a shout out because there's makeup that we put on our face, right? But there's people in the background that make that makeup so that we look like the person we're supposed to be. So who in your background, and I don't care if it takes you 30 minutes to name all of them, but who in your background would you love to give a shout out to? Because like I said, there's, there's tons of people that made you. Yeah. So let's see. I have to start with my colleagues in my department, specifically Ali Ferrier, Carol Lieto, these wonderful women who have really taught me how to teach and have, have taught me how to, how to do this thing um, despite any challenge. Um, all of my students, I can't say enough about them, uh, specifically um, one of my students that really has been so supportive of my own goals, my books, um, the class of 2019, they're a big group for me, Sammy Reyes, um, you, could, you could check out her podcast to fashion your passion um and of course I, I can't not mention my amazing husband john who is a fire lieutenant and you know doing his thing helping so much with our three beautiful boys and if and listen if you don't have the support in your life all this stuff is so hard to do so i am so thankful um for those people in my life who cheer me on even when it's not looking good <laughs> when it's not pretty so thank you for letting me do that. And I, I hope that I can offer something to your listeners and I hope they'll follow me at Perch Gets Published on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And that's another, part of the, that's another part of the plug that we forgot to do. Um, uh, great thing about these podcasts, because uh, audience, you have to understand this. Her book is almost there. Okay. Getting so, there. So I will try to do some type of correspondence with you because we're both on Instagram. Even if it's something jumping yep. on live or just a quick little... Q&A with you right before it comes out. Um, we'll do the extra steps to help pump that book up and, and push it into infinity. Um, Amazing. Thank you. Um, and one thing I want to tell you, and, you know, people like, you know, in our communities, it doesn't matter where you're from, north, south, east, west, whatever. Um, people don't congratulate people. I want to congratulate you. 
I want to acknowledge that you're Thanks. doing something positive in the world right now. Everyone is cooped up. Everyone is kind of at a standstill because we don't know what next, what next year might be this year. I mean, 2020 again. We never know. Hope is not. Pray to God that it's not or whoever you believe in. Um, so I want to tell you, you empower, you make our future leaders. When you go to sleep at night, know that you're doing like a, an amazing thing. A lot of people take it for Thank granted. You. A lot of people take it for granted. And I took it for granted that, you know, doing these interviews, I thought, hey, I'm just like a, a Larry King type guy. I just do these interviews, whatever. And someone just came to me one day, uh, just out of the blue. I didn't even recognize him because you don't really see my face. All they get is audio. And you see a few clips on Instagram here and there. He said, you know, one of your guests reached me. And if it wasn't for you, you know, not, you don't think about that kind of stuff. So take a moment every day. I don't care if it's 12, 15, uh, 11, 36. Take a moment and know like that, you know, you have a place in this world. Like it's beyond these social media influencers. Like you're like, you're the difference in the guy that works at the Toyota plant in West Virginia that came from New York. The education you gave him, he's coming out there to work and he's making new Toyotas or whatever. So it goes a long way. So I want to tell you personally, thank you for all that you do. Thank you. And thank you, because I, I think these opportunities to, to bring new perspectives and new voices to really everybody, everybody has access to this kind of content, I think is such a gift. And it's been, it's been fantastic for me to meet so many great people just doing the work. So congratulations to you too. All right. Thank you. And what we'll do is we'll do a follow up with you because, you, you know, the great thing about writing a book is, is that, uh, and, and this, and it happens because some people act like it doesn't happen, but it does happen you got success at the end of the day. There's going to be something that comes behind this book and you're going to need to do a little bit more talking. So I would love to have you back on as a guest if you don't care. I would love to. This is right, well, fantastic opportunity. Okay. Well, this is West Virginia Commonplace signing off. Melissa, thank you. <laughs> thank you.